after. And while you're turning there, I want you to look to your right and look to your left. And I want you to ask your neighbor on both sides simply this question. Who are you? Who are you? Josh, you have something for me? Let's see what you have. Harmonize. Okay. Thank you. That's good. We better cut it right there. Isn't it nice when rock and roll lines up with my message this morning? Isn't that nice when it does that? Who, who are you? Who, who? I really want to know. Uh, how many has uh, ever had their DNA tested to see where, where their genes take them? Where their... How many, how many you've actually done the test to find out where your aunt, my, my cast, uh, my aunt got into a weird mode uh, a few months ago and sent her DNA to uh, a testing uh, office uh, function that was happening there in Phoenix, Arizona. And she found out a lot about the Davises, a lot that we already knew, but some we did not know. And uh, most of our roots are from Europe and uh, from from. Germany and from France and from that that part of the world uh, there was a uh, and we were not surprised to hear this because half of the Davises if you ever hang around the Davises half of the Davises can dance I mean they got the step they got the strut they got it they got it down then the other half of us we just watch and it's always frustrating when I go to a wedding that everybody asks everybody else to dance no one ever asked me to dance because I'm such a bad dancer. I'm like Steve Martin. If I can do this, what can I do? Hello. Um, but we did document something that we already knew. Uh, I am one of 80,000 Creek Indians that have registered in the Indian nation. And uh, my, my, my bloodline is from my great-great-grandmother. In a generation when it was not popular to be an Indian in Oklahoma, my great-great-grandmother had the courage to put Creek on her birth certificate. And because she did that, because she's directly, I'm directly in line with her bloodline, it qualifies me to also be a registered Creek Indian. This past, as we went to my precious aunt's funeral, uh, Christine and I went to the Creek Nation, was very surprised, a little overwhelmed of uh, what, what an entity it is. It's not just a, a building. There are about eight buildings and very much involved in the affairs of Oklahoma. And we went ahead and registered Christine. And Courtney has already been registered. So Courtney and Christine are both registered Indians. So we went to the, the benefits house to see what benefits we qualified for. And the one benefit that we qualified for is an, it's, a, it's a leg off of Obamacare. It's an incredible, phenomenal, just an exceptionally good health insurance plan, which now I and both the girls are on. So we became part of that. And then we went to the education department, 
and we looked up to see if Courtney and Christine decided to go back to school, the Indian nation would pay their tuition, pay for their books, and give them $1,400 a month to operate on. So I think I'm going back to school just to get the $1,400 a month. That, But the, the, the point that I want to make of that little illustration, when they did the math, Chris, this will crack you up, I am, how many knows what a fraction is? Okay, we're going to do a fraction. I am 1 over 262. That's not very much. <laughs> so Christine and Courtney are 1 over, or over 512. I think five, five, 508. Do the math. Anyway, half it, and that's what they are. And I got to thinking, 1 over 500, that's not even a, that's not even a fingernail. That's not even a nose hair. But yet that little bit of blood in their lineage gives them all the assets, all the benefits, and all the pluses of being a Creek Nation. The Creek Nation is not one of the wealthiest nations, but it is very wealthy. Most of the, let me phrase that, all of the uh, casinos in Oklahoma are Creek-owned. Most of the smoke shops are owned by the Creek Nation, and that's how they generate to be able to do all the things they're wanting to do. And Robert, I got to thinking about if I get just that little bit of blessing on 1 over 262, how much of a blessing do I get when I realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? How much of my DNA is of God? Pastor Ron shared last Sunday, it's documented, accurate. They have traced our DNA lineage all the way back to two people. Would you like to guess who those two people are? Adam and Eve. So the lineage of every single nation on earth, every country is traced back to Adam and Eve. Well, where did Adam and Eve get their lineage? The Bible says a dew came up from the earth. God took the dust and the dew, made clay, and from that clay breathed in a man's nostrils the breath of life, which is the DNA of God. So Adam and Eve were created and, 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 and produced with the DNA of God. So somewhere in that lineage, the DNA of God is in you today. And when you begin to think about who, who are you, who, who am I, who a lot of people fail early in life to see clearly who they are in God and what God is in them. And as we look at the DNA of God, we know the blood that was shed at Calvary opened a fountain. And Kendra, there's a fountain filled with blood that this morning we go and we cast our cares, we cast our sins, our griefs and his pain, and that blood is able to still do today what it did 2,000 years ago when it paid for the sins of mankind, paid for all the sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all those sins. That blood is operating in your veins today. You have the blood of Jesus in your veins. Look at somebody and say, who are you? Who are you? There's a couple of psychological terms that I like to bring to your attention. One's called the Pignalia effect. Chris, anything? The Pignalia effect is a psychological study that shows that people with high expectations increase their performance. There was a book written several years ago. I, I imagine we all had to read it in high school called Great Expectations. The story of a little boy that someone took an interest in him. Someone took the, the ability to put him in school 
educate him and change his life. And that's what that book was about, Great Expectations. This, this study says that those that have great expectations of themselves do greater things, their performance is greater, their focus is more intent, and, and they begin to pursue the things that God has for them, sometimes without even realizing that God has it for us. Then there's also a study called the Golden Effect, which is the exact opposite, that low expectations decrease performance. Low expectations decrease performance. The higher expectations we have of ourselves, the more we're going to do. Those lower expectations will judge us and keep us from doing and being what God wants us to be. And that is the DNA of God that's in you. And when you ask somebody, look at somebody and say, who are you? Say, well, in a minute, I'm about to find out. Go ahead, in a minute, I'm about to find out. Uh, I want to share a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians. And I want to go to the 15th chapter. And I want to go to the 10th verse. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I will comment on that just a second. But the Apostle Paul makes a statement. By the grace of God, I am that I am. And the favor that God exuded towards me, that grace was not wasted. And so immediately I reflect to those that are not operating in the realm that God wants them to operate in. They're not walking in the place that God wants them to walk in. They're not receiving the divine help and input that God has given them. And that faith, that measure of faith, that measure of grace that God has applied towards you is in vain if you don't take advantage of it. If you don't recognize who you are in Christ and what Christ is to you. And I want to uh, I want to make an illustration, if I can, just a minute.
You're about to find out. I want to show that again. This is a guy that thought he was doing the right thing. He had a decree from the emperor of Rome to destroy the Christian sect, S-E-C-T. The believers that were gathering, meeting from house to house, meeting the needs of the widows and orphans, sharing the word, studying the word, breaking bread, helping, touching, blessing. Why would anybody ever want to shut that down? Why would anybody want to stop that movement when all it did was brought blessing? But there was jealousy involved, and there were things involved, obviously, demonic activity, that they tried to shut the mouth of the church up. They, start, they tried to stop the miracles that God was doing, and they thought they could do it by giving the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul, a warrant that allowed him to go into any house at any time of the night or day, break up what was going on there, put the husbands and the wives in shackles and chains and send them to Rome, take the children, separate them from their mother. Some of the children were fed to lions in the, in, in, in the days of the Colosseum there when the gladiators came out and literally tried to shut down what we are all about. And we know that Apostle Paul had a divine intervention. Look at somebody say, divine intervention. And we know that God restructured and re reassembled his life, and he fell into the place that he was supposed to be and doing what he was supposed to be. And here's what he says. Because of God's measure of grace towards me, I am that I am. When you think about who are you, I was reflecting just a few, a few thoughts concerning my life and, and, and the way that I was raised and how I turned out. I think I turned out pretty good. I'm still turning out pretty good, I think. I produce healthy children. I've got a wonderful church and a lot of friends that I love and a lot of things going on. So I think I pretty much turned out okay. But when you think about life, you think about, you know, I was always a mouth. I was always, a, I was always the guy that ran his mouth and told jokes and had a reputation for that. But I wasn't, I wasn't really very big. I wasn't very tall. I wasn't, but I made up for that with just an attitude. I had an attitude when I was a kid. I, just, I was just one of those kids that had attitudes. I guess if you would ask me what I was when I was a child, I was, I was a kid with an attitude. And then I graduated from high school and ruled the world. Went to college, pursued a career, got married, had a family, pursued the things of God. But in every, every one of those junctures in my life, many times I failed to realize how much God was involved planning and putting my life together, taking me out of the drugs, out of the alcohol, out of all of that, and placing me upon a new place to stand and put a new song on my mouth, gave me new purpose and new direction. Sometimes I think we fail to remember how much God was involved in us being here. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You are today an amazing creation. You are, you are, there are so many things about you physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, the way that you're that the way that you're weaved together like a beautiful quilt. I know Psalm 139 verse 14, David said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at somebody say, who am I? I am wonderful. I am wonderful. God does not make mistakes. God does not have a reject pile, but there's a reason that you are here. And you're here because God designed for you to be here. As we shared a couple of weeks ago, I've been to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. But for the grace of God, I could have been born there. I've been to Yondi, uh, I've been to Chad, in Jemina, Chad, 
probably the second or third poorest country in the world. Been there for seven days doing uh, conferences. But for the grace of God, I had a ticket out that brought me back home that I was born and raised here in the United States. And, you know, when you reflect how bad things are in your life, it doesn't hurt once in a while to reflect how good things are in your life. And you'll learn that the way God is moving in your life, the good, say this with me, far outweighs the bad. Because you were made in the unique and powerful design of the living God. He put some thought into you before he built you. He put some thought into you before he remanufactured. How many feels like I, sometimes I just feel like a retread. I'm just a reman. Well, I mean, it, that happens when you get 64, 70, 65, you know. When you're 15, 20, you rule the world. When you're 30, 40, you think you know it all. Then when you're 60 or 70, you realize that nobody cares what you know. And you rule absolutely nothing. And then we get around 65. I'm just glad that the right leg followed the left leg and, and that I had enough strength to stand. And I made it halfway staggering to the coffee pot. And I made it to the coffee pot and stayed there for a few minutes. And all of a sudden I felt, Superman, I'm ready to take on the world. It's amazing what two cups of Kona coffee will do every morning of your life. Do I have a friend in the house? There are things about you and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of things but this morning in preparing just a few some things that when david said i'm fearfully and wonderfully made let me share some things if i may about you physically that god i believe determines worth noting this morning did you know that the cornea how many of you don't know what the cornea is okay good we all know what the cornea is the cornea is the only part in your body that has no blood supply and has to get its oxygen from the air. That your, that your cornea is an actual living, breathing, inhaling. It's not blessed by blood as are the other organs, but it's blessed by the air around you. And it takes the oxygen out of the air to keep it fresh and to keep it whole and to keep it working. Did you know this morning that you have enough fat in your body to make seven bars of soap? Think about that for a minute. Did you know that in the embryo, in a mother's womb, the baby has fingerprints when he or she is three months in the womb. Fingerprints. And did you know, and I didn't know this, but that each one of you have a unique tongue print, that your tongue is unlike any other, and it has, it has a print on it that identifies you as your DNA, as your fingerprint. How crazy is that? Maybe the next time you go and they say, put your finger here, you just stick your tongue there and see how far that See how far that gets you. Uh, is that funny or what? Did you know this morning that this baby right now has over 300 bones in her body? And did you know that I have only have 206 bones in my body? What happened to those other 94 bones? Where did they go? What's that all about? Did you know also this morning that one-fourth of all the bones in your body are in your foot? One-fourth of all the bones of your body are in your foot. Did you know that there's what's called a dive reflex, that when you jump into a, a lake or a swimming pool or an ocean, that your body shuts down so you don't drown? As your body is able to absorb the, the moisture and the H2O, it shuts down so you don't drown. How many, how many of you didn't know that? I'll tell you something you didn't know. Did you know that astronauts are two inches taller in space? You want a new wardrobe? Just, just be an astronaut, two inches taller in space. 
Did you know the human body is called bioluminous, which means you can't see it with your naked eye, but our body actually glows like a black light and all that, all that things that God has prepared in us just kind of exhumes his glory. Did you know that your literal body? Did you know that your brain, some of us, our brain, can live 10 minutes without any oxygen, but during starvation, the brain starts to eat itself, to feed itself. Make sure and get a good lunch. You don't need your brain eating on your, on your brain. You know the brain that you can get. Did you know that when you listen to music, your heart begins to naturally beat in sync to the rhythm of the music, literally, whether, whether you want to or not. It's just something that happens. Some of us fail to realize that a lot of the organs that God has given us, we only need one of. You only need one nostril, one earlobe, one eyeball, one lung, one, one kidney. Yet for some reason, God put double in there. I mean, he is, after all, he is the greatest showman, and he has the ability to do extreme makeover. But the things in your body, God has doubled up so that you could live longer and enjoy. Do you know there's something you can't do at the same time? You cannot breathe, and you cannot swallow at the same time. Try that if you will. I'll, I'll come back and have, lay hands on him. you start choking on me. Did you know this morning that most of you have probably already fought cancer and won and didn't know it did you know did you know this morning that when you wake up in the morning your brain has enough electricity to light up a 110 light bulb how many knew that i mean you said i we are a brainy bunch of people when you wake up in the morning you're smarter than any other time of day at that very moment so what is so crazy this god has made this 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 incredible phenomenal body that's going to live forever it's going to exist forever. It will either exist eternally in heaven with God or exist eternally in hell with Satan. But that's the way that he made us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And scientists cannot explain old age. They cannot explain why the body starts aging. So we produce skin. We produce nails. We produce hair. Our body is constantly reproducing. But there's an element that is missing in our body that causes old age. You know, Revelation 22 says there's a day coming when we're going to eat of the tree of life and the leaves of the tree or for the healing of the nations that will be constantly in the presence of God. And whatever that element is that is missing right now from our diet, it will be there and we will live forever. Does that excite anybody in this house? That is so crazy. Moses asked God, who are you? Remember the story there. He's trying to find out direction and purpose and destiny in his life, overwhelming circumstances. All of Pharaoh, all of Egypt was against him. So he goes to God and says, God, who shall I say sent me? Who should I, what, what, what is your name? And you know what God said? God said, I am that I am. If you digest that or dissect that in the Greek, in the Hebrew language, it says this, I will be everything you need in every situation. I will be everything you need in every situation. Think about that for a moment. Where do you need God? Where do you need hope? Where do you need help? God said, I'll be there in every single situation. I am that I am. How many times did Jesus say, I am? He said, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the light. I'm the shepherd. And then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he had to say about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know that there are people in your life that will probably never come to this church? They'll probably never go to a conference. They'll probably never watch a Christian program. The only Jesus they will ever see, the only Jesus they will ever meet, the only Jesus they'll be involved in 
is you, your personal representation of the things of God, and how are you representing him? How are you flowing in that? How are you using the, the, the gift and the things that God has given you to be that light, a dark place? This city's in trouble. Our nation's in trouble. If you're watching thing, the things of our world in trouble, it's crazy. Somebody, I promise you, either North Korea, someone's going to push a button and start a war, and they don't care if they wipe themselves out just as long as they wipe us out. We have a friend in the house. That's where we're rolling. We're living on the, on the, on the breaking moments of the end of the world. I know that sounds, that sounds kind of ambiguous. We're, we're all happy, healthy. Everybody's in good shape. But there are people that are actually plotting to destroy this nation. Why? Because this nation believes in God, supports God, stands for God, and allows God to direct them. And as long as we keep God in our prayers and keep God in our focus, I believe God will continue to have his hand upon this nation. The day we shut that door, the day we turn our back on Israel, I believe God will turn his back on this nation and judgment will come. And aren't you glad this morning that you're ready for that judgment? It doesn't matter what happens, but I don't want to take place in my lifetime to you. I don't want to, on my generation to say, this is the generation God shut everything down. How many there is not is with me? I want to be the generation that said, this generation that Christ came, nations were saved, thousands came to God, and I was a part of it. I want to be that. I am that I am. I want to be a part of that. I exist because the grace of God says that I exist. I exist because the will of God says that I exist. I exist because the purpose of God says I exist. I'm just not some um, uh, evolution thing that crawled out of the ocean. I have purpose, destiny, and meaning. That's the way that God created me. And when I look in the mirror and I look back at that beautiful, handsome guy there, I have a picture of when I was three behind me, so I, when I look in the mirror, I see that picture and not me. But when I look at that picture, I say, God is up to something. God's going to do something cool today. I want to be a part of it. How do I make sure that I'm available? How to make sure I'm eligible to be what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do? You've got to start speaking about yourself, what God is speaking about you. David said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're, you're precious. You're holy. You're anointed in this sight. The Bible says that we are a chosen generation. We, we need to come to a season in our life, and we've had all these birthdays, and it's, uh, it's neat to celebrate your birthday. It's neat that, that one day. There's not a whole lot of blessings, but there's some. There might, there might be a cake. There might be, some, you know, there might be a phone call. There might be. But I believe that we need to celebrate ourselves more often than just one day. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate the wonder that God made you uniquely. There's no one else quite like you. Don't compare yourself to people that are walking in depression and frustration. See role models in your life that say, I can be that if I'll simply make the effort. We have a friend that spoke to a maximum security prison last week. He had all the prisoners bow their head, over 100 men. And he asked, how many in this place you were born poor? He said, almost every hand went up. Almost every hand went up. How many in this place you believe you're going to die for? He said, almost every single hand went up in that place. Because they're a place where there is, there is no hope. There is no purpose. There is no vision. And if you surround yourself with people that are imprisoned mentally, it'll wear you out. It'll tear you down. It'll, it'll frustrate you. And it, it, it kind of gets, gets on you. 
And sometimes you see take a hot shower of the Holy Ghost. Am I doing good this morning? Get in there and that and get there in that shower and begin to sing those songs. What song do we see today, sing today about the Lord's hand upon our life? Do you remember you guys just sang it? Good, you did good. Any song we sang today that honored God. Was there anything that we sang today that honored God? Get in the shower and sing those at the top of your lungs and see see how things begin to change in your life. Do I have a friend in the house right now? We exist because of the grace of God. He is our creator. Do you know you have four pounds of bacteria in your body? Because I'm going to say, ooh, that's gross. Did you know that 50% of your hand strength is in your pinky? Who would have thought that little finger is 50% strong, the fingers in your hand? And did you know, did you know like cornflakes? You know cornflakes has more genes than the human body? Cornflakes are definitely wonderfully and fearfully made. Is that crazy? When we, when we laugh, and I want you to laugh because that validates me, but when we laugh, there are some truths that God wants you to know. And when you think about what God says of the grace of God, I am what I am, his grace was given to me, and I applied it. I applied it. Uh, I can go to homes, and I can open up cabinets, and there'll be those weight uh, protein uh, milkshake things. And then I'll go in the bedroom, and there'll be a, there'll be a, a uh, what do you call that, that thing you walk on? There'll be a treadmill. You go out in the garage, and there's a there's a bench. There's a 40-pound box. It seems like everybody has the right ingredients to bring change in your life, but nobody eats the powder. Nobody lifts the weight. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying today? We've got all this stuff around us to help us. We never take advantage of that. Same thing in life. God puts people in our life. God puts books in our life. God puts movies in our life. God puts things in our life that makes us want to be a better person. I forgot the movie, but it was Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. As good as it gets. And they were kind of dating off and on, and Jack had this major psychological problem, just like most of us, just, just had a problem. And uh, they were having a little argument, and, and Helen looked at him and said, do you think you can say anything good about me whatsoever? All you've done is dog me anything that you can, you can do. And you know what he said? He said, you make me want to be a better man. What a great statement. You make me want to be a better man. I want people to be in my life that see what God is doing in my life. I want them to get jealous for God's sake and say, I want some of that. I want to be involved with some of that. You've got to start doing the power. You've got to start lifting the weight. You've got to start exercising the things that God brings into your life to make you better. Three things you need to do for taking take a note. Number one, you need to discover yourself you need to discover yourself you need to find out what God's all about and why he wants to be about you and you see the importance in the kingdom of why you're here you need to discover who you are in Christ and then once you discover who you are in Christ you need to develop that discovery there are things you can do I know I talk a lot about books I talk a lot about about videos, but, but there are so many things out there that can help us be a better person. Whether we're trying to speak English better, learn language, business, whatever we want to do. There's so many tools. There's over 2,000 books in my library. 90% of those books are self-help books. If you read this, you're going to learn something. If you apply what you learn, it could possibly change you. Discover yourself, develop yourself, and then dedicate yourself. Find something in the church that nobody else is doing, and you can do it. Volunteer for it. 
Lay, 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 just lay awake one afternoon and just say, God, put things into my heart and spirit, things that I can be involved in. The church is involved in so many things. When it gets freezing weather, we provide a place for people to come in, take a shower, eat, change clothes. We're partnered with the Methodist Church. Been been partnered with them for, for five years. She just sent me a, a note saying, hey, we need some volunteers to come. I can spend the night with some of the people here that are indigent. What, 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 can, I, what can I do? Can I be involved? in a food pantry? Can I be involved in a closed closet? What, what can I do? Can I, can I mow the lawn? Can I, can I wash the windows? There's got to be something that I can do that nobody else is doing to make my life and my environment a better place to be. Because if you do that, it makes you feel better about yourself. There's nothing like I saw, it was on Facebook, and I, I told Pastor Ron I had preached that. I preached that about three weeks ago. The people that feel appreciated want to do more for you than they originally have done. When a person feels appreciated, it's like, man, thank you for saying thank you. How many of you heard me say that to them? Thank you for saying thank you. Thank you for saying thank you. I mean, I mean, I don't do it for your thank you. One day I'll stand before God, and I thank you for that. It gives me the ability to help you, but there's just something about appreciation that goes a long way that people, you, you thank somebody for what they've done in your life, and they want to turn around and do more. Discover who you are by the grace of God. God said, I am what I am. Aren't you glad this morning you have the power to make your own I am? Parents, friends, enemies, describe us. How does your enemy describe you? You know my attitude? Who cares? That enemy has no ability to affect me or, or, or wound me or, unless I let them. What are your parents saying about you? Well, he'll never get a job. He'll never cut his hair. He'll never this. What are your friends saying about you? Oh, he's a loser. He'll always be a loser. You can't find a new family, but you can sure find new friends. You can find somebody who starts saying something nice about you. The grace that God has for us, it is not without effect or void or empty or pointless. What's, what's the point there? Before you were in your mother's womb, God determined, and I'll go there in just a minute. Let, let, me, let me write down what I wrote here. It's a spiritual growth is not becoming less human and more divine. Spiritual growth is becoming more human. As God created us to be for God, alone as God, we are not divine. Only God that his grace enables us to become what he created us to be. Will that help anybody? Spiritual growth is not about being more spiritual. It's about taking inventory of what you have and what you can do and then get involved and apply things of God and let God make it supernatural. That's a, that's a good teaching. Here's a little thought here. A children's minister was teaching one morning about preaching. And he asked the kids and looked at Jim in the front row. Jimmy, who made you? God, Jimmy said, God made me real little. God made part of me, he said. What do you mean God made part of you? He said, God made part of me, but I growed the rest by myself. God made me a little, but I growed the rest by myself. Look at somebody and say, grow up. Develop yourself. We need other people to help believe this. It's okay to have mentors and, and tutors and people that are encouraging you. And it's great when you're one of those encouragements. But you've got to come to a place in your life for you to turn, I don't want to be the victim anymore. I want to be victorious. I don't want to be a burden anymore. I, don't, I want to be a blessing. I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with trouble every day of my life. I want to start focusing on the good things that God has for me. 
regardless whether you're a single parent, a college student, a grandparent, just married, thinking about getting married, wherever you're at in life, God thinks that you're all that and a bag of chips. Look at somebody and say, who are you? Well, you know, today you're God's bag of chips. It's crazy that when God made us, he used the elements. And that's how God will make you. He will use the things that are surrounding you to bless you and to better you. When God made you in his likeness and in his image and took that dust, that clay, and formed it and shaped it, he created you at that very moment to do the one thing for God that God cannot do for himself, the one purpose, the one plan, the one destiny, and that is the ability to praise the Lord. Every one of us are created, designed, intended somehow to praise the Lord. It doesn't have to be walking around all the time saying all the spiritual jargon. To me, that gets old. I mean, I mean, you ever get around somebody that's really out there in all of the terminology and you try to take them out to lunch and the waitress is looking at them like they got three heads and like, where, where, what planet? This is Mork and Mindy's cousin. Where'd this guy? Where'd this guy come from? I think that deters. I think that hurts. But God can do so much in you that people get jealous. They see God moving in your life. They know it's not a drug. They know it's not an alcohol. They know it's not meditation. They know it's not some far eastern religion. But it's your personal connection with God that God uses to bless other people and turn their life around. You are a light. Look at somebody say, "I am a light in a dark place." I am that I am. Well, that was a great page. I hate to miss that one, but maybe we'll come back. When I reflect about the children and Leanne and our justice and Skyler, we, we as parents, we want our children to experience the very best in life, the very best things that God has for us. And there's nothing that is more heartrending than for your son or daughter to be rejected or offended or be or being made to feel like that they're not they're not useful. And you talk about your heart and your body. You talk about you let someone do something to one of your kids, or you let someone judge your kids, or give them a bad grade with a bad attitude or whatever, and you see that child feeling like, well I'm not as good as everybody else. Well I'm not nobody wants to play with me. I'm not I'm not I'm not that good at grades. I'm not I'm no good at athletic, all that and you know, you see into that, and you do the best you can to try to turn that around. That's exactly the way that God upgrades you. He hates it when people put you down. He hates it when people degrade you, or judge you, or, or says stuff again. He hates that, God hates that. And aren't you glad that only God can intervene in areas that no one else can intervene? Pastor Todd and I, our attitude is, let's just kill him until God he died. That seems to be the easy way but God doesn't want to kill you he wants you to live and he wants you to learn and he wants to put things in your life to prepare you to become what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do you say well you're saying a lot about death because the Bible is all about destiny but God so loved the world that he gave his own son that whosoever believe it there's the there's the destiny everything attached to that what do you really believe is God really God am I really a part of the kingdom can God really change me? Is there value in my life? Is there value in my ministry? And God shouts back from heaven a great big, yes, I'm in you. In him we live and move and have our being. 
I'm in you. My DNA is in you. I'll give you the ability to, to be able to study and think and get rid of that, that block that seems to hinder you. I'll give you the, I'll, I'll promote you the job I want you to be a part of. I'll put the right schooling in your hands so that you become a better person, not because of pride or, at, or attitude, but that you could do more in the kingdom. He trusts us with time, talent, and money. And you know, the guy that had five talents, he sowed it. The guy that had three talents, he sowed it. God doubled what they sowed and blessed them. And the one guy said, yeah, I didn't do anything. You're not one of those yeah guys. Don't let that mindset, don't let that, wherever you're at right now, listen, you're young enough right now that you can literally do anything you want to do and make a turnaround and see results happen in your life because of good decisions. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for that? Pastor Ron was so precious to type out my message word for word. And I think so far we're doing pretty good, Pastor Ron. We're, we're on page 11. Let's go to page 12. You don't know that I'm actually that long-winded, but we're four minutes after 12. We'll just turn that circle back about six minutes, or two minutes before 12, and we will conclude. There, um, there's a man that existed early century. Uh, his name was Charles Moody. And uh, Charles Moody was quite a young man. Uh, Charles Moody was preaching to thousands before Billy Graham was preaching to hundreds. And Billy Graham had a heart for God in the army. And as an officer in the army, he was an encourager to the, to, to the men to find God and make things right with God. And uh, through the years, his, his ministry, his talent, everything just grew. There's a Moody publishing house. You probably have a book that's been published. There's a, a Moody Institution for the Blind. There's a college. Uh, he went to Chicago and went to a great deal of effort to bless the, the indigents in Chicago. A lot of ministries there that helped set up. But when Moody was uh, interviewed and asked how he was able to do all the great things he did and, and why he did all those great things, he told the story of a guy by the name of Henry Varley. And uh, Henry Varley was a rough, rough, roughshod speaker, teacher, preacher, but he was effective. And one of his meetings, as Charles Moody was there, uh, Henry Varley made this statement. He said, as he shared his testimony, he makes a statement. The world, are you ready? Are you sure? Drum roll. Henry Varley said, the world has yet to see what God can do and for and through and with a person totally yielded to him. And that night, Dwight Moody, teenager, prayed this prayer. Lord, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. If, just, if, if we could just totally yield to Christ, what would be the aftermath of our life, the follow-up, the fruit of our life? Can we pray? We thank you for health. We thank you for the ability to hear and see and comprehend. We thank you for this precious mind in our, in our, in our, in our head that you gave us, this brain that it never stops. Infinite computer just keeps ticking, keeps ticking, input, input. Let today something be inputted that would make a change. Let this be a, let this be a program that would be saved and would be used and applied. Let us realize today you are not done with us. You're not, you're not done with us. It wasn't until Paul laid his head on the chopping block that he said, it was time. He was done. We're not there. There's so much we can do for you. There's so much that we can be. 
There's so much that we can flow. There's so many people that we can help and touch and bless. Let us be willing to be yielded. Let us be willing to see what you say about us and for us to say, ditto, we agree with that. Touch this house in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen.